Hello, and welcome to Family Tech, where you get to be the tech expert of your own home. So we are talking to Holly Reed today, and I'm really excited. I've wanted to have this conversation for a while because I think teaching kids finances, learning finances yourself, all the technology, there's so much out there. And I just totally want to hear all about all of the technology that we can use to get our finances in order. So let us know all about who you are, Holly, and what it is you do. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Holly Reed of the Master Playbook. And I am on a mission, really, to equip the next generation to master money, but more importantly, to empower parents, especially those who are watching today, to really give your kids the financial head start that they deserve. And the way that I typically work with people is having conversations just like this with Sarah today, but we host money camps. We have ever-growing lists of financial literacy, financial education resources. Yeah, just to get people to start these conversations because it is so important. Yeah, and your website is a huge wealth of knowledge. So it's just themasterplaybook.com, correct? That's correct. Yeah, so definitely check that out. We will have that in the description of the video. So make sure you check that out when you're done watching all of the awesome information that Holly will give us. So first, let's start a little easy. What are your favorite apps to manage finances? Yeah, this is my personal response. So a couple of years ago, I became like really obsessed with tracking my net worth. And so one of the apps that I fell in love with was, it's called Empower. It used to be called Personal Capital. But like most apps, you can, you can put all of your link all of your accounts to it. But with the focus for me was really just tracking my network. I started reading all these statistics about women, about African-Americans, about all the things and what our net worth was going to be and what people projected it to be in the future. So I became just really obsessed with trying to be above the average and not hit some of the statistics that are like overwhelmingly shocking. But I think like the average American's net worth might somewhere around 120000 So I, I heard about personal capital, I'm sure from a friend or from the personal finance community and became really obsessed over it probably in the last five or six years. So that's one of my favorites. Another one, just practical, everyday budgeting, managing your finances. I really like Mint.com. I did use Mint. Yeah. You did? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm prepared to talk about Mint and what I really like about it and then what I don't like about it. Yeah, sure. But, I, if you want to get into that, that's totally great. Yes. Mint has been great. And it's actually one that I refer to a lot of people one because it's free, right? You can access it on the desktop. And one of the things that I really like about it, but it's also the pro, the con as well is that, especially early on when I first started using it, it would highlight certain areas in my budget, in my spending, where I was paying more than the average. So I'll give an example. I think it sent me a notification once about you're paying more for car insurance than typical people pay in your city, in your area, like in your zip code. And I was like, huh. Yeah. So okay. I, yeah. Well, that was, to me, I was like, 
interesting. Let me go check that out. And it really forced me. It was like a gentle reminder that I should check and make sure I'm getting the best rate on the things that we absolutely have to have, like car insurance. The downside of that is it will also promote, oh, why don't you open a credit card? And it'll, it'll promote other things that I don't necessarily need to be promoted. <laughs> yeah. Right, on right. this journey of trying to stay financially focused. And so it can be a pro because it highlights things like that. But the con is they make their money from advertising. That's how they stay free. So they will push and promote. And so if you aren't disciplined, if you aren't the type of person to say, another credit card, no thank you, you could find yourself opening up more accounts than maybe you need. Yeah, if you don't pay for a product, you are the product. So That's, right. That's absolutely right. Totally makes sense. Those are great. Any others? I do love Mint. I've heard of Personal Capital. Good to know that the name is now Empower. Yes. Uh, so that's cool. everything. Yeah. <laughs> I love when they change it up. You're like, wait, is this the same thing that I used to right. have? Yeah. Any others that you really like? Others that I like are, I really like Acorns. I don't know if you've heard of Acorns, uh-huh. but yeah. it's an app where it will, when you use your everyday debit card, it'll round that purchase up. And once you're in a certain threshold, it'll deposit it into an investment account for you. So I like that. And the reason I like that, because it promotes that set it and forget it. It's investing on your behalf. My husband and I, we're actually going through a home renovation. And I was looking for, I was like, okay, where's some extra money that we might have? And I went to my Acorns account and probably this is over years, but I had well over four or $5,000 in that account from just me setting this up, forgetting about it, letting it do their thing. I didn't have any other real big savings goal or purchase for the money. So we were able to add that to our renovation budget, which has been fantastic. Don't you love that when, like, you set something like that up and then, like, down the road, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I have this money. And, oh, I can use this for my renovation. That works out really well. Absolutely. It came in timely. And it's it's another reason why I was like, I could just withdraw the money and close it out. But I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going to keep this thing going because, you know, you never know. It could be your emergency fund. It could be for a lot of things. Specific savings goals. Yeah. So acorns the winner. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one too. There was one that was similar too. And I don't know if it's still around because it's been a while since I've set it up, but it was like called capital, but it was spelled with a huge yeah, yeah. Yep. I actually, I have that one. And why did I, why did I stop doing it? I think I stopped because I was an early adopter. I'd like to think I was an early adopter. To that one. <laughs> I'm sure you, uh, yeah. but somewhere along the way, they started charging a fee and I wasn't using the app enough to, yeah to offset the fee. So I was just like, because just as a personal finance advocate, as someone who is always looking for tools and resources to share with the families that I serve, I test a lot of these, right? So I have a bunch of stuff on my phone and constantly testing it and trying to see what do I like about it? What don't I like about it? And so, yeah, Q Capital was one of the ones yeah, I think when I stopped using it, like something broke between them and my bank account and I could never like get my bank account mm-hmm. re-added. And then I was like, I forget it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's one of those things that if 
if it's not easy to you, it's not easy to maneuver, if it's not easy to connect to your things, and this, you know what, that's more work than I'm willing to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Any others that we missed off the top there? No, if I had to pick, those would be my personal favorites, my top pick. Yeah. Now let's talk about budgeting. I know Mint does have some budgeting features. I'm not a super fan of like the way that Mint runs the budget. So what are like specifically budgeting apps would you recommend? Some budgeting apps. There are... There are so many. I'm trying to think of the acronym. So Y-N-A-B. You need a budget. Yeah. Yes. You need a budget. Uh That one is very popular among Mm -hmm. moms. Yeah. Um, I've heard so many moms using that one for budgeting. I've heard the same. I I have it. I've set it up. Like you, I like to test all the things. (laughs) Um, So I have set it up once, but I definitely don't use it regularly. I'm trying to think of some other ones because to be honest, Sarah, I'm old school. In this particular area, when it yeah. comes to finance. So, like, I use Mint, but I'll go, I may go update it and take a look at it. Maybe once a quarter in Mint.com. Yeah. Just to adjust some things. But I'm old school where I use, I'll pull out an Excel spreadsheet in a minute. Yeah, um, let's talk about that. Is I love a good Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like, I, the, the Excel spreadsheet, now I check that more often. Like I have a monthly budgeting meeting where I'm looking at things, especially while we're going through this renovation, right? Because things are starting to go over what we right. just weird. Right. The right. <laughs> you think you're gonna pay? So I'm like, okay, where can we please, or where can I spend less on this month in order to cover that expense, or to save it all up so that I can pay off the credit card by the end of the month? So yes, my Excel spreadsheet. With my income, expenses, and then I have my baseline of my utilities. I'm one of those money nerds where I try to create as much consistency as possible in automation. So my utilities can be the same every month. I'm talking to the company like my power company. They offer, they call it budget billing, where they'll just look at your average over the past 12 months. Whatever that average was, that's what they'll charge you for the next month, 12 months. And then they'll readjust, right, every year of your anniversary. Anything that can be the same, I just set that baseline. And then, of course, you have your discretionary items like food, eating out, shopping, entertainment, vacations, all of those things. But I'm a big, I love it. Yeah. But context. I am a CPA. I'm an accountant by nature. Excel came easy to me. It was something I've been trained in for years. So that's why I use it. But I will say there are a ton of budgeting apps out there. And I think the key for anyone who's watching is, what should I use? You really have to do the homework yourself and see what works best for you. Like you have to try it, see what works best. Again, I know I mentioned Mint earlier, but it's because it's a lot of these apps may be 99 cents a month or 4.99 a month. So you just have to go and take a look and see, read the fine print, look at how much it costs and see if it would work for you. Yeah. And I think budgeting style has like a lot to do with that too. If you are like an envelope budget person, you might want to use the Dave Ramsey one every yep. dollar. Every dollar. Um, yep. Or you need a budget if you, you have a different style. 
So if you have a specific budgeting style, maybe do a little Google search best app for this budget style and try those ones out. No, you're right. Yes, you're absolutely right. I was trying to think if I knew which ones, because when I think of budgeting style, of course, you have the envelope method, right? Which is going to be great for people who want to use cash, right? So they are big cash proponents. They want to be really disciplined around their spending. And so the envelope method is great. But if you're like a younger person, we're <laughs> not going to want to use the envelope method. Like a lot of people, right? It, it could work for them. As a dollar bill is, I don't know. <laughs> oh, bless their heart. I am so conservative next generation. Because this whole cashless society just taking over. They have so many options. But, okay, so we were talking about the envelope method. Of course, we have this 50-30-20 rule where 50% is for your essentials, your needs. 30% goes towards your wants. And then 20% towards savings, investing, even debt repayment would fall in that 20%. So that's another popular method that I know a lot of people use. I'm trying to think if there are any budgeting apps that directly to it but I mean if nothing is coming to mind for me yeah she can google that <laughs> yeah yeah not you but the listeners <laughs> go yeah. ahead and google the just google the budget plan that you have and then like best app yep exactly there's um, so many yeah just like you were saying with every dollar he, yeah they Ramsey in his community they really promote that zero based budgeting where you right. give every dollar a job every, yeah. and so that works really well for people when I Actually, when I first started out, Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, they were like the gurus at the time. I remember Susie Orman, yes. So I was following and reading everything that they were putting out. And then as you grow older, as you have more experience managing your money and going through different things, you tailor it to what works for you. And Absolutely. I did find myself tailoring a couple of things that they proposed in life. Yeah. Same, like I'm not like a Dave Ramsey like follower. Yeah, die hard. Yeah, yeah. Like I definitely deviate on many things, but um, yeah. But I think, especially for somebody who's like trying to dig themselves out, like out of a big hole, I right. mean, I think it's a good place to start to be super strict like that. Yeah. But as you're mentioning, as you learn how to manage your money better, then you can tailor it to what works best for you. Yep. Absolutely. So let's talk about investments. You were talking about 20% investing or debt repayment. Are there some, we talked about Acorns, which kind of can be an investment app, but yeah. what other like specifically investment apps have you used or? Yeah. So for investing, honestly, I'm, again, I'm old school in that I have my 401k, I have your, my basic brokerage account, I have the the Roth IRA where you do traditional Roth the traditional IRA or the Roth IRA. So beyond that, like, I don't use many apps. No, that's um, fine. I am learning. I'm learning to, I'm in the process of learning to trade. So I am paying more attention to the brokerage account. Popular apps aren't always the best apps. So do your research. So, of course, for example, Robinhood had their whole debacle. Robinhood, yes. I was trying to think of what's that one, like, stock app. I remember now. Yeah, Robinhood. I am personally not promoting Robinhood. I came on my phone to see what other investing apps I have on here. And I don't. (laughs) And I don't. 
I don't, I have Robin Hood on here because I have money that I need to take out of there. <laughs> yeah. But, I've had Robin Hood for a while, but I, yeah. I closed that a while back. I don't even remember how long ago, but maybe I still have money in there. I don't know. I might have to download that and look it up. Yeah. When it comes, when it comes to investing, I want, I really want families to go back to the tried and true. There's been so much news and so much unsettling news in the whole financial world with banks being bought out and failing and families wondering, okay, are, can I go get my money out? Is it safe? Luckily, FDIC, it ensures that for most Americans, we most people don't have over $250,000 just right. sitting in a bank account. So most of America is safe in that. I just have that like right behind my castle. Totally. totally. Yeah. <laughs> the family that I work with, they were worried. Yeah, I'm kidding. I, I do not. But, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So I really, again, I'm old school there. So I'm, I'm like, stick with the, the ones that we know, the ones that have been, you know, great, have a great history. So your fidelities, Charles Schwab, your big people. Yeah. <laughs> and I see and Amy. It, Amy, I use fidelity. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I use fidelity. Yeah. And that's the one thing. It's intimidating for somebody who is not used to, if I go on to fidelity.com and try and sign up for an account, it feels really intimidating. Like how can somebody like get over that? Yes, absolutely. They should follow people like me. Perfect. <laughs> that is a great answer. I love it. Yeah. So I talk to parents, when I talk to parents about money, Again, I am trying to empower them to give their kids a financial head start. And I know a lot of it is even new for even new for some of the parents. Like they don't even have things in place. So if I can explain it in a childlike way for kids to understand, then you can learn it from me as well directly. Some and I know there can be sometimes a lot of shame with parents like, I'm 38. I should know these things. And it's okay if you don't. So it's, it, I say this all the time, it's difficult to master something you've never been taught. But in this world where information is literally at our fingertips, we no longer have that excuse and can't, we can't lean on this ego or this pride of, I'm just going to fake it my way through. No, we have got to take a step back humble ourselves, start learning. Listen, they have kids' books on learning how to invest. Start with the kids' book if it's intimidating. Share with other people, but there are so many, even communities now, that talk to adults about how to get started with investing. That's one area where I think we are just so far behind and where I know I could make a difference if we just start talking about it. So I pitch it as, all right, what are the ways you can start saving and investing for your kids without breaking your own bank. And so when they learn how easy it is, how affordable it can be to even do it as an adult, obviously our kids are going to be in a greater position because they have the luxury of time so that the deposits we make today can really benefit from the power of compound interest. But I say it yesterday was the best day to start investing, but today is the next best time. So just getting started now and looking for those easy ways. I'm actually, let me pull up something real quick. On my computer, I'm pulling up a blog post that I 
did sometime last year, but what I did is I created a list of many books by age that would be good to introduce your kids to money management, to start talking to them about money management. But it can also be a great resource for parents to take a look and learn right alongside your kids. You can even pull that up in the screen if you want to hit present and oh. present your screen. You can pull that up if you want. And we'll definitely put the link to this blog post in the description as well so that you guys can check that out for yourself. Right. So I'm just going to share my screen. Oh, I should put it on the other screen, shouldn't I? Oh, probably. I think you can share like a specific window too, I think. Oh. All right. um, But again, it's just, it's called 15 Money Books for Kids to Master Money by Age. And it's just been fantastic. These are all books that I've read and would highly recommend. So just scrolling down through, you have ages 3 to 18. Sam Sam Riddick is huge. He has lots of great resources where he used Sammy the Rabbit to teach our younger kids. We have books by 9 to 12-year-olds, Investing for Kids. I bought this book. I wanted to just see what all they included when they start talking to kids about investing and how easy it can be. We have young entrepreneurs who talk about starting a business. This is a very rich list. So I would recommend buying these books for your kids, gifting it to them, but great ways to just start having those money conversations in the home. (laughs) I want more pizza. That's a great title. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. So some of these are really good and really creative. And this is just, this is a short list. It's only 15 books. Of course, there are many more out there. There are books that talk that introduce you to cryptocurrency and help parents understand Bitcoin and you can learn alongside it with your kids. So these are just, these are great resources. I like this one here, Teach Your Child to Fish. Yes. Yes. So this this great workbook was written by me and it's targeted to, it has a book that goes along with it. The book, of course, is targeted to the parent about what we should be teaching our kids about money management. And then this is a complimentary workbook, just filled with some templates, activities, things that kids can actually do to reinforce the money habits that we talk about in the, in the book. So it's being great. So. I think that's a super important way to teach your kids is to like do something like this workbook with them. It's similar to, there's a book about pornography, but Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. It's a book that you sit down with your child to discuss these topics. And yeah. I think the best way to really help your kids learn a topic like money management is to go through a workbook like this with them. Absolutely. That's one of the my main like goals when I'm talking to parents. It's not just about lecturing your kids about John, you should save more of your money or don't spend your money. <laughs> That's the kind of advice I got growing up. But what I realized was missing was the practice, right? We have to practice these, but give them an opportunity to practice it, to be a little independent, make poor choices while they have you, they have us as a safety net. Because once they are out on their own, making bigger money choices, those safety nets may not be there. 
And it can really impact them for years, if not decades of their lives, just trying to correct taking on too much too soon, getting into debt, overdrafting their account. It it could just lead to a laundry list of regret when if we start helping them practice it now, they feel the pain of the consequences, it will self-correct and then they will know once they are out on their own, I should do something differently or I should make a better choice or maybe I shouldn't overextend myself. If they experience the consequences while they have their parents to fill them out. <laughs> yeah, the, I completely agree. And I actually, like we're talking about the pornography book, the the thing I talk about with technology too is the same thing. Like when you still have oversight, you can teach them how to use like social media properly and things like that. But once they're gone, so I always relate it to if you're trying if you're going to just give your kid a credit card when they turn 18 that's like giving them social media when they turn 18 teach them while you can while the stakes are small yes absolutely absolutely so do you know of any like apps or anything that are good to help kids learn like budgeting and money yes absolutely there are quite a few one of my favorites that I promote even throughout my programming is called goalsetter.co, goalsetter.co. And why I love this app, it's because it started by a mom who wanted her kids to save up their money and use it for more meaningful items, right? And she, not only can you use a card to spend from the app, but The biggest highlight for me was the financial literacy component. And they do these quizzes and the kids almost have to finish the quiz before they get access to the money. So it's forcing them to learn something or at least to prove that they learned before they get access. You should know how to check boxes. Yes. It's a community app. So meaning you can invite family members, friends to get kids birthday money through this app and so it's all centralized in one space they have access to it you can use to save it invest it but of course there are so many choices out there you got green lights you got busy kids you want to attach it to kids completing chores go henry i'm just trying to think of some of the others but goal setter is probably my top pick i think go henry also has some financial literacy components to it as well. But definitely GoSetter.com. They are expanding where now they're even allowing the kids to learn about investing, which is helpful because I think it's just one of those topics that we wait too late to start talking to our kids about it, helping them learn how to invest, think about investment. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I actually haven't heard of that one. I've heard the other ones. I We actually used Greenlight for a little while. Wasn't yeah. a huge fan. Tell me why. I'm curious. Yes. It was good until it wasn't. Like okay. I had my, my kids were setting aside money for giving, for mm-hmm. savings and things like that. But then when I wanted them to be able to give to our specific church, it's not, it wasn't one of the ones that were listed. And so we would have to pull the money out in mm-hmm. order to give it to the church. And it was like impossible to get that money back out without going to just withdrawing cash yes. from an ATM yeah. or something like that. 
And so I was like, I really don't like the way that is. And plus they wanted to set up like a Venmo and they couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, and so there's all those like kind of hurdles. And so then when I was trying to get all the money out, I literally had to reach out to them like five or six times because we had like about a thousand dollars between the kids accounts yep. and stuff in there. And like, it took me months of reaching out and reaching out to get that money back. <laughs> yeah, That can be, like I said, if it's not easy to maneuver, it could be a quick no for me. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. What? But yeah, so I liked it until I didn't. That was yeah. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I've done, I did a couple of TikToks, like comparing pros and cons of some of the ones. And then I would get a lot of responses of people like, Greenlight. I'm like, okay, I personally haven't used Greenlight. We've used Busy Kids. We've used Goal Sitter, obviously. And I really like Goal Sitter. And I just. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to check that one out for sure. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, so we make the glass or like, cause they, they make them like culturally relevant or they're tied to pop culture, like things our kids are interested in. So yeah. in that way, I think they, they get an A plus. I love it. That's so awesome. We'll definitely check that out. So those are most of the debit, like all of these companies, like these apps, like basically have their own debit cards. Yeah. But is there any other like debit card options you like better for kids? Then uh, I definitely like the debit card options that are specifically made for the kids, right? You can go out and even Google best debit cards for kids and you know, pull up a laundry list. The ones that I like, and again, it depends on your household. It depends on your, your intention when your kids are using these things. But I really like the ones where the cards are prepaid because it forces conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's, no that's, overdraft. Right. You're not just sending them money. Every time they ask for it, but when it's prepaid, there's a little bit more control. So for my parents, I tell them all the time, read the fine print, look for something that's going to have some parental control. So you'll know, you'll get a notification. You'll just have a little insight without totally being a helicopter parent. Yeah. And what else? So read the fine print, the parental control. Oh, and of course the fees. So just sure. being weary of fees and it's okay. It's perfectly fine to pay for these services because it yeah. is, a, it's again, it's a tool. It's a resource to help teach your kids responsibility around money, to give them some independence, to allow them to build some confidence around making their own choices. And with money management, this is a life skill. So this is something that they are going to be dealing with for the rest of their lives. So it's so important. It's okay to invest a little bit here, to invest $100 a year to make sure they're getting some experience, some exposure, learning some lessons along the way as they mature and grow. So don't be afraid if they, you see a fee and then you're like, oh no, pay for the things. We pay for Netflix. We pay for all these streaming services. Like how many streaming services New families have between yeah. Disney and Netflix and Discovery Plus. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Pay for them to learn some responsibility to learn how to manage their money. Yeah, that's so funny you mentioned that because similarly, like people will balk at a five dollar 
subscription to for something like Greenline or whatever we'll say. Yeah. And then like they're spending $10 a day on coffee or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or And then don't think of it. Nobody thinks about the upcharge is built into using Instacart or DoorDash. Or so that money could be repurposed yeah. and we to like educate kids. And right. I know <laughs> it could be a, a tough topic and people have different values around it and that's fine. But right. I just want to say it's okay to pay. Yeah. And like we were saying earlier, like with Mint, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. With Mint, you're going to get advertised to with something like an education, a financial education app for your kids. Yeah. You don't want them getting like credit card ads and things like that. Exactly. What's another good, another good tool? And people don't think about this. You may think, oh, I have to get my kids a debit card. But if you are in a huge household, maybe you don't think you have the time or capacity to make sure you're watching and making sure that they have the oversight that you would want, right? But there are built-in things now in our society. I have been having conversations with a lot of parents where their kids' school, they will have these school payment softwares for like lunch accounts oh, where the parents prepay, where they put a certain dollar amount on the child's account. And then the child has it for the week or the month or whatever to buy whatever they want. Some of the parents have been complaining because their child will, instead of buying something nutritious to eat, they spend all the money on milkshakes or just spring. Yeah. <laughs> That's one instance. Another instance is the child tries to win influence or wins friends by buying kids other things from their lunch account, right? I was like, you know what? This is great. Y'all keep talking. Keep telling me how this stuff works. Because that's a great opportunity for parents to start these money conversations, to start teaching your kids about budgeting, mm -hmm. uh, to share what your expectations are when it comes to spending that money. Yes, it's in your lunch account. But listen, I have to populate it every time and I want to make sure you're eating well, you're getting full, you're getting what you need. And just having those conversations about managing that money wisely, because it is an opportunity for the kids to make independent choices, but to use the money wisely. Yeah. And that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's actually something we totally experienced here in my house where I put the money for lunch in there and I, he was going through it so much faster than my daughter was going through hers. And I'm like, what is happening? And so I noticed that he was buying breakfast every morning yeah. and I'm like, we have breakfast here. You don't need to go to school and eat breakfast. What are you doing? But that's a good learning opportunity to be like, hey, you have other options. You don't have to spend money on breakfast because we have plenty of food here so you can eat breakfast. Yep. And you can eat lunch at school. Exactly. Or grab a snack. Or But that's it. It's all about having those conversations, setting the expectation. I'm, I'm glad to hear that's what you saw. Yeah. Uh, some parents aren't even paying attention. It's, they're just getting notifications that their kid's account is low and they're not even paying attention to the $30, $40 that they are just sometimes wasting if the child is doing some of the other things we talked about. But it's a great way to have that conversation around needs versus wants, prioritizing 
the better food. And then you can have something sweet or a cookie or whatever it is. But, but yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to infuse some money lessons with your kids. If we have them practicing budgeting and just thinking about their choices that they're making. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for bringing that up. But so speaking of like kids and how they use money, what do you think about all these like money transfer tools like Venmo and Cash App? And yeah, this is how kids are living. Like how can we teach them how to use that properly? Yeah. So yes. So with the with these money transfer apps like Bitmo, like Cash App, even PayPal sometimes. I think the biggest thing that I'm more conservative, first of all, I know it's super convenient. Just Apple Pay your kids or send them whatever, however however you guys are swapping money. But I think there's just that missed opportunity for parents to have the money conversations that should happen or the money is actually transferred over. So just, we just have to be really intentional about it. But we also have to lean into it a little bit too, because technology is all, only going to grow. I think the use of cash and coins and change is going to continue to diminish. I don't know if we'll ever be cashless in nature. I think we'll all, always have cash floating around, but it's going to be so much easier. You've already heard about the technology, even in Asia, where they are wiping their wrist or using their fingerprint or just doing other things or they may have a band or their fingerprint or whatever tied to some bank account purchase thing. I think Whole Foods has started testing this in certain markets. Amazon has definitely started testing it over in the West Coast. And we got to be open and receptive to it, but we do need to be intentional and just make sure our kids understand how things work. I'll give you a prime example. One of the topics I surely cover in our money camp is talking to our kids about the difference between debit cards and credit cards because they look very similar. They just see their parents wiping, but how do they work? And I find that many of the kids that come through don't really know how it works, how the debit card is tied to a bank account. There is no limit. Your your limit is what's in your bank account, right? (laughs) What's that spent is gone, but understanding also the consequences of that paying the credit cards and how the credit card is a loan and it's an IOU. You have to pay it back, borrowing money. You've signed up, you've made a commitment that you're going to honor. And so it's important to do these things. So just making sure they understand how the technology works, where the money is coming from, what happens if they, if they don't have enough, how should they handle it, right? So if they get to a place and they don't have enough money, it could be embarrassing. How do you handle it? Like a champ. <laughs> don't, don't become sad or mad or frustrated about it, but just, oh, I didn't do the math. And so I got to take it back. And yeah, you got to take it back sometimes. Right? A lot of times we just bail them out. Here's, here's enough to cover it. But teaching them to be thoughtful and think through those things. I'm, I'm cool with the dust, but you also have to be aware because, you know, in technology, there's always the possibility of scams when you're using some of these platforms. Oh, yeah. They've been huge. And I know just like they attack and target maybe even our elderly population, very easy to ta- or target and attack our young kids who still don't 
know all the warning signs or the links they should be clicking on or so yeah so just making sure it's it, it puts more weight and onus on the parents on the guardian to make sure they understand how all of this works and what the potential dangers and consequences are when we start giving our kid access to use things that are meant for adults. Yeah. And I like what you were saying with the, I mean, you can do the tap and pay, your fingerprint. It's so easy to detach like actual dollars to that transaction, even for adults. Yes. That's why we're in so much trouble. (laughs) That's why I have a sense of urgency. Like I gotta keep talking to the kids. So that they grow up to be financially responsible and astute adults. With money, there is, with cash, there is absolutely a psychological connection. If something costs $100 and you give somebody $100 in cash, right? You feel the weight of that being a finite transaction. It's not coming back. But with that card, whether it's a debit card or even if it's a credit card, like knowing I don't have to pay for that until 30 days from now, or it totally removes that emotional connection that I think often is important to keep us from making stupid decisions <laughs> to create, to reduce that impulse buying that may happen when it comes to using the tap to pay or the credit card or so even what are the things now that they have? So they automated layaway. Well, after pay, where you can now pay it and break it up into four payments. So a lot of, even that, a lot of companies are offering the built-in payment plan. But you do that enough enough times, and then that becomes a large debt that you, that's coming out of your account automatically. And so our, our young people just need to be aware of it, even our adult. Everything in moderation. Yeah, look at numbers and know the content. Yeah, I so I remember I saved up and I was buying a treadmill. I'm not a, I'm not a spendy person. I don't spend a whole lot of money, and so I'm like I'm on the website, like about to click the purchase for this two thousand dollar treadmill, and I'm like having heart palpitations. Like this is so much money. I'm a- I can't believe I'm doing this. I like how you talked about that emotional component. It's so important to make sure you're understanding, like, this is a lot of money that I'm spending right now. Yes. And so this is a lot of things I think is so important to make sure our kids get this practice. Because a lot of stuff that they ask for, they don't even know how much it costs. They don't know that it's a whole week's worth of pay for me to buy this for you. They have no clue. And the sooner we're able to allow them to start practicing, look at prices, comparison, shopping, like those are still valid things that they can do today, even in the cashless world we're moving towards, even in this internet of all things, they can go to different sites to see if their favorite retailer has it on sale. So it's just so important that we start giving them that room to be exposed to know how much things cost and what does that look like if you give your child allowance how many weeks of allowance would you actually have to save up to buy it outright so just having those conversations is so important i love that so 
understanding the value of money and mm-hmm. like understanding the difference between debit and credit, is there any other like really important life lessons that like we need to be talking to our kids about? Yes. And this is going to sound like not money related, but it <laughs> totally is. That's gold setting. Oh, nice. Like having our kids get in the practice of setting goals for themselves easily carries over into the financial choices and the decisions that they make. They want to go to Disneyland. Okay, let's go research. How much do those tickets cost? How many days do we want to go to the park? Do you see any deals? Or But having them set goals around things that they want. We have them set goals when they are trying to master a sport or they're athletes and I want to make the varsity team or I want to be the number one pick when it comes to or tryouts, whatever. But we set goals in a lot of different areas. We should also help them set financial goals. And so easy financial goals could be, I want to save $50 this summer. And then helping them think through, okay, how can you earn $50? Is there something you enjoy doing? Are there bracelets you can make and sell? Do you love to bake or cook? Are there cookies you can sell? Or could you cut? three of the neighbor's yards this summer and earn the money. So just think helping them think through ways that they could start earning money on their own. But goal setting is one of those things that we don't do until later. And so that muscle is really weak when it's time to do it and can make it even more difficult, which is which is one of the reasons I believe we are so horrible at saving our money and investing. Really, because we live in this world where I call it the microwave society, because literally we can press a button on our phone and the package arrives the next day. Or press a button on our phone and the food arrives in 20 minutes. So that delayed gratification is lost on our kids. They want everything now and they can pretty much have everything they want right now. So we have to force them to practice saving practice delayed gratification, practice that self-discipline and self-control that comes from having to wait. And a lot of our kids just don't have that experience in because everything is so instantaneous now. But it's a key attribute, a key lesson that our kids have to learn in order to become successful Investors, like the goal of investing is really invest and hold for a long period of time, let compound interest do its thing, and then benefit from it like decades later. But when you're 12, when you're six, when you're eight, it's hard to think about your 30 year old self or your 40 year old self. Right. Uh, so, goal setting, help, helping them to practice goal setting earlier in life can be one of those things that helps with that practicing of self-control and self-discipline and delayed gratification. I love that. I totally agree. That is such a lost art these days. Even us now, we binge an entire TV show when in the past we'd have to wait a week for every single episode. (laughs) And some seasons now are doing that, like with Apple TV and Hulu, they'll release episodes like in a week after another. But... So the norm now is just dropping the whole season and you can like get through the whole season in like two days. But yes. It's all that like instant gratification now. 
the pandemic ruined me. Like <laughs> it used to be an appointment viewer every Monday night. I'm going to tune in. Now I'm just like, whatever, I'll let it run and I'll watch it on demand or I'll stream it later. I'll just pay for it to get access to it now. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> I totally get it. I love that. But is there anything that we didn't cover? Like, I, I think we covered quite a bit, but yeah, I'm not the best at this. This is why I call in experts. I might have missed something. No, I just want to thank you for the foresight of whatever it took for you to create this platform. I think the work that you do, the information that you share is so valuable, Sarah, and I, so important for families because you cover a variety of topics, which is also wonderful. When it comes to personal finance, the one thing I just want to leave with your audience is we really have to be intentional. I've said it before, money management is just one of those life skills that are going to stick with your kids from now to eternity. And so the importance of teaching them, giving them the space and room to practice it now can really set them up for financial success. Or if you ignore it, if you choose not to address it, it can really set them back because then they'll make all the mistakes once they're gone and it could put them into a spiral of being in debt, not building wealth. So it could just lead to a lifestyle of, of want or of struggle. And that is what I'm trying to break, right? I'm trying to close the financial education gap, put all of our families on a trajectory to really earn and build real wealth so that we can have a legacy to look back on and just put the next generation in a better position, in a better, in a better position for the future. So I just thank you for inviting me on to share. And hopefully you guys find this helpful. And if you do, go ahead and let us know in the chat. <laughs> let us know if you watch the replay. And of course, always open to questions. So yeah, people have questions later, they can put them in the comments and I'll be taking it out. Awesome. Yeah. And definitely check out her and you're on social. Is it, what was your handle on social? Yep. So it's the master playbook across all social media platforms. So I'm on YouTube, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the things, just really trying to help parents give their kids that financial head start. Yeah, so you can probably reach out to her too through direct messages on any yep. of those platforms if you have specific questions for yep. Holly. I appreciate all you're doing for financial literacy. I know I, I didn't have much financial literacy growing up, fell victim to the Columbia House. Wait, I, I think we're in generation. <laughs> Probably. Get all those CDs. They were super important. But so I think it's so important to teach kids about finances just as important as it is to teach them about technology as well. So I really, I feel like our goals are very aligned. So I was excited to have this conversation. Yes. And so thank you again for having me. This has been awesome. We will see you guys next week and we will wrap it up there. So thank you and we'll see you next time.